night. Good morning, YC. Good hey, wasn't worship amazing everyone. this morning? Can we just give the worship team a round of applause? Praise God. Amazing. Praise God. Amazing music. Well, my name is Jake, and this is... Sabrina Bree. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here. That's right. That's right. And we are, gonna, we are going to just have a conversation with you guys today. We've been in a sermon series called The Journey, and Lord, have we been through one. Amen. Mm-hmm. I think some of you guys can say the thing like, oh my gosh, it's only February and it's been a long year, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I just, you know, it's interesting because Pastor Jeff has been walking us through our ability to be able to understand just exactly where we're at in our journey. Mm-hmm. And in the explore stage, the explore stage of trying it all. I've, I've been there, done that, tried this, tried that, um, put all my energy and my focus into work or, or I've tried to, to force my way through things and make it happen and take matters in my own and I've explored, explored, explored and I have failed, failed, failed and what Jesus, or what Jesus, what Pastor Jeff says, who's a lot like Jesus, amen? <laughs> what Pastor Jeff says is to come and that's Ooh, right. Dang, this is the best service yes. so far. Good job, you guys everybody. Are on it. You guys are up. Hey, and you hear that, Pastor Jeff? They got, got him. The next thing he talks about is our discover stage, mm-hmm. right? Is is we did. We tried everything, and life has knocked us around, and like a like on a boat with waves just being tossed back and forth. And then in those moments, in our deepest, deepest moments, Jesus leans in. Last night, last night, last week, we talked about how, how God leans into our brokenness and that it's actually a broken spirit and a broken heart that he finds as an acceptable sacrifice to him. And we get an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. And, and sometimes it's like one of those, oh, oh, this is what this is like. This feels good. This is nice, Right? And, he, and when Jesus, Pastor Jeff, I keep calling him Jesus. What the heck? Lord? This is the only sermon I've been calling Pastor Jeff Jesus. Lord? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> All right. What he says in the discovery stage is that we need to... Yes! Connect and great. keep connecting. Love it. Ushers, can you get extra cookies for everybody? That'd be great. (laughs) Right, because when we come and keep coming, even if we don't know what the heck we're coming for, we eventually find out, right? And when we're connecting and we keep connecting, we're connecting to God and his word and his scripture and what he's telling us. And and ultimately, just so that you know, like if you wanna ever hear the voice of God, open your Bible because that is what he's saying to you. And our way of communicating to God is our prayer to him. And that's how we have a communication. It's how we stay connected to our Lord and Savior. And then Pastor Jeff says the next thing we should do is to continue to connect in community, right? To be connected with people around you, be connected into a network of healthy believers who want to see the good in your life. And be connected to service. The, The third thing we talked about was the rely stage. Let's see how good they are. Come on, guys. And what Pastor Jeff says about the rely stage is. Yes. Oh my gosh, who's, who keeps killing it over here? Who's, who I is it? I heard it over here a lot. Oh my gosh, too. ushers, cookies. <laughs> Man. Can we do what Pastor Jeff does? You get a cookie, cookie. and you, you get, get a, a cookie, cookie, and you get a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You concentrate and you keep concentrating because there's enough things in this world that's gonna distract you from Jesus. In fact, we live in a world that we're constantly being stimulated. I mean, I can't sleep without my phone buzzing or going off or some sort of notification. Like, man, um, which one that's really annoying that comes on all the time? The Wish app. Oh my gosh. The Wish app notifications are relentless. They don't care what time in the morning it is. You're gonna know about their two cent underwear. (laughs) <laughs> right? Jeez Louise, we have to uninstall that app. But when we concentrate on God and who he is in our lives and what he's doing and even the lives around us, we begin to kind of see the miracles and the way that he's working in our lives, literally working all things out for our good. Amen. And then what we get is the opportunity to come into the surrender stage of our life where 
where we're not just reacting to things that happen to us and relying on him. We're being proactive and saying, we just wanna give you all of us. Right now, we surrender your will, not ours, right? right. And last week, we talked about that when we're in this phase, we have to, I did a horrible job. What was that? Purple hair lady in the back, cookies. Yes, cookies. Praise God. On plate, please. Praise God, that's right. Yes, Consecrate and keep consecrating. Say it with me. Consecrate, Consecrate and, and keep, keep consecrating. consecrating. And that is when literally, that's a, it's a theological word for setting ourselves apart. And I think so often, one of the points that I made last week is that we give God just a part of us and expect the fullness of him. And I think that there's just this level of surrender that we can walk into where we begin to say, God, no, I'm gonna set apart my entire self for you. And I just want you to know that until you do that, you are missing out on an ample amount of blessings. Mm-hmm. Things just begin to fall into place. Things begin to just line up when you give the fullness of who God is. When you just give him who you are, it's, it's just things change. People come into your life, they bless you without you asking. Um, doors open without you realizing it. You know, like... Just when you live in that posture, it's so different. And what we wanted to talk about today is we wanna talk about surrender continued. Because last week we talked about three characteristics and three steps, but what we wanted to do was we wanted to say, you know what, we need to continue our conversation about surrender. Because I don't know if you recall, the last message of 2019, I said that there were things I didn't wanna come into this year with. Right, and, and, and some of you raised your hand and said, yeah, I feel that. There are things in 2020 I don't want to experience, amen? And we announced something pretty big. We talked about something pretty critical, something that we had gone through, something we had experienced that sure as heck put us through every single one of these stages. And we just believe that if we can't use our life as an example, then we shouldn't be up here preaching the word of the gospel. We, we need to be as transparent with you as we would want you to be transparent with the people sitting next to you, right? Because we may be on stage, but we sure as heck struggle too, Yes. right? And we don't even wanna make this about us. We wanna make this about how God is just using us so that we can be available to break chains in your life through the Holy Spirit as we welcome here into this place right now. And so before we get going, we just wanna pray for the God's, for the Lord's Spirit to be in this place. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here. Thank you for the amazing people that you've put your spirit in to be here today. I know that there are people here in this congregation that did not plan to wake up and come to this service, but they're here, and that's because of you. So God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for their willingness to step up, wake up, get their makeup on or brush their teeth and get here. However they did it, God, I just thank you. I thank you because you had worship prepared for them. You have a word prepared for them. And God, I just pray that nothing comes out of mine and my wife's mouth that is not ordained by you for them to hear. We pray for your presence to be felt. We pray for our hearts to be open so that transformation can happen allowing us to leave different than how we walked in. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you guys don't recall or you won't hear, weren't here that weekend, my wife had made an announcement and just want to give her the opportunity to kind of reiterate what that was, kind of maybe re-announce what that was. And also, if you will, walk us through when you had done that, the experience of explore and discovery and rely and surrender. So um, that weekend, um, before, prior to that weekend, I had heard God speak to me clear that um, he wanted me to share a story that he had given me, um, a testimony, you will, that um, of what me and my family went through, which was by far the worst part of my life that I have ever experienced. And so it was very difficult. It was very difficult to come up here and share with you all because of just the brokenness that I had felt I, in what I was hearing. I was hearing, um, you're going to be, you know, the shame and people are going to judge you. People are going are to think that you're incapable, that, you, that you're not reliable anymore, that you're unstable. Mm. And so um, I prayed and prayed and you know, I, I decided, you know what, I need to be obedient to what God's asking me to do, even as scary as it is and as hard as it is, because I believe God has given me a story for a reason, and I, I'm going to do it. So I came up stage and I shared with you all about my attempt at suicide. Mm. 
And that was by far the hardest thing I've ever, ever had to admit to. It was the most, if I could, mm. my human self take it back, I would. Um, but now I see clearly that God has, by his grace, saved me and has me here. And um, I had to share this story just because I feel like God has people in our lives that he uses us in ways to be able to reach them. So I did. I came and I, I spoke about that. Well, in that time, um, through my explore stage in that time of my life, I was really just, uh, I was, I, we were going through a hard time. We were struggling financially. We were struggling um, trying to make ends meet. Um, it felt like no matter how hard my husband worked, it, it, we were always just a, a dollar Day short. late, dollar short. Yes. And so I was applying for jobs. I said, you know what? I need, we need to get something to work and happen now. So I was applying for jobs that I was fully, fully equipped for. So, you know, I, I used to be in corrections. And so I have, you know, um, that background. And so I applied for corrections. I was denied. I applied in banking, you know, had many years in banking denied. And it seemed like everything that I reached out for, I, I was being told that I know. And so it, my self-worth was just, wasn't there. I didn't feel like I was any use. And the words, the things that I was hearing was, you're too old. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm outdated. Maybe, you know, there are other people that are more highly qualified. You're not enough. And then when I went through the discovery stage, um, I realized that, you know, I, I, no matter how hard I tried, I just, the, the, the part of me that wanted to succeed and do well, have that control and do things on my own, my strength was not there, our human strength. You know, how many times do you guys say, you know what, I'm going to take charge, I'm going to take control of this. And we have a certain threshold, humanly possible, that we can, you know, get Two, and then our strength is all gone. We're depleted. We're overwhelmed. We're weak. And I was definitely there. I was at my end. I had no more strength left. And I was bottling everything inside of me. I wasn't sharing anything with anyone. Um, to me, that was, that was weakness. That was showing that I wasn't a help. So I kept everything from my husband, from my family, from the people that I loved that God had placed there for me. And I kept on. I kept on trying. I would come to church with a smile. I would greet everybody. I would serve. And behind that, I was just a mess. And I was hurting. I was depressed. Well, and after that, it came to a point where now I'm in the rely stage. Well, as I just told you, I, I was going by my own strength. I wasn't asking for God to come into my situation and to help me. I was actually telling him to get in my boat instead of me getting into his and relying on him. So how many, how many times have you said, you know what, I can do this. I don't need anyone's help. I, I, I don't need for someone to, to, to guide me. No, me, I'm going to do it. It's, it's my, my family, my job, I'm going to do it. Well, the rely on God was not there. It was me. And so I, because I was doing it all on my own, on my own strength, not even including my husband or my family, you know, I, I got to the part where, where I should have surrendered to God and I was surrendering myself. I was at my end where I couldn't do it anymore. I, all I had left was to say I'm done. And um, that, that's, that's where I was. And by the grace of God, God has always other plans for us. And he made it evident that next day that that is not what he had for me. And I'm here today in front of you sharing this and um, praying that God uses me as that vessel to speak out to you that are here that might be going through a situation, not maybe per se my situation, but something that has you at your end of your rope. And so we're going to talk about how we can help you through the process of getting past that. Praise God. She's so cool. You're so cool, babe. I like you. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You, you, hear, you can hear that journey and almost just 100% relate 
right? Like maybe you don't relate with attempting suicide, but you relate with being at the end of your rope and just lost all hope. You've tried, you've tried, you've white knuckled it, you've turned left, you've turned right, you've done everything but walk straight forward into God's grace. And a lot of what my wife was sharing was that she was trying to go to old places while experiencing new graces, She was trying to turn back to her past when God has built a better future. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things and so many times in our life where we get wrapped up into just relying on what we know. Okay, well, I'll just go back to do this. You know what? This isn't working, so I'll just go back and start doing that again. And we go back and we go back. We take two steps backward and one forward and wonder why our life never progresses. And there's a level of surrender that God wants to call us into. And, and Jesus, he, he did that. Today's focused text is gonna be Mark chapter eight. And Jesus is literally talking to his disciples. He gets done telling his disciples that he's gonna be betrayed and that, and that he's gonna have to go through some different things. And he actually has to rebuke Peter and tell Peter, get behind me, Satan, because Peter's saying, we'll never let that happen to you. Peter has a history of that. If you read the Bible, this guy is a nut, right? Right? But... Oh, it's not even on my notes. I'm gonna skip that. Okay, I stay focused. Right after saying that, he says, look, you know what? Everybody, come over here. Disciples, you sit here. The crowd, come over here. Let me talk to you. These crowds would follow Jesus every single place he'd go. Everywhere he went, crowd of people following him. You wanna know where Jesus was? Look for the crowd. And he tells the crowd, if any of you wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Three steps. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. There's a lot of instructions that Jesus gives in the Bible that are not that clear, right? Like some of the parables of throwing seed in the weeds and throwing seed on the cement and throwing the seeds in the soil. It's not as hard and not ready. It's like, whoa, if there was any more simple game plan that you could go through that Jesus could give you, it's this one, a three-step plan. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Yet we as humans can make that so freaking complicating, Right? We get so mixed up into our feelings and our emotions and doing things based on feelings rather than faith, doing things based on feelings rather than facts, that we complicate the most simplest things to do, which is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And we're gonna walk through that today. You willing to journey with me on that? Yeah, let's do this. So if you look at your notes, the very first blank in your notes is we have to examine our willingness to deny ourselves, our self-denial. Now, something that my, my wife had confessed right now was that, that she was so focused on self, her desires and her prize and what she wanted, and I want this and I want that, and, and they were all justifiable, right? Like, she's responding to the need. She's responding to what she sees in the household and, and that, that I was actually struggling to provide in a way that she felt like she couldn't just, just sit back. She had to step in and do something. And what we didn't even realize in that moment is that you and I were both suffering from the disease of pride, I was suffering from the disease of pride because I wanted to be the man of the house that can provide for everything. I can take care of the payments, the bills, everything else in the house, and baby, you just do whatever makes your heart happy. That's what I thought being the man of the house looked like. And then if I wasn't able to do that, my pride would say that I was failing as a man. And your, your end of pride was that I'm so broken and so messed up right now and I'm freaking out, but I'm not gonna ask for help. And every single person in here has been on either side of that spectrum, either side of that rope, either too proudful to ask for help or too prideful to take it. There's other things that God's asking us to deny. He's asking you to deny your lust, not just your pride, but your envy, your greed, your need to have to have 
He's saying that if you want to follow me, if you want to surrender your life to me, you're gonna have to deny yourself. Babe, read the next, there's a next translation, the NLT of Mark chapter eight. So Mark 834 NLT version says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Circle that in your notes. You must give up your own way. There's moments in our lives where we begin to pray to God and start telling him what we want in our lives. Right, it's what my wife was saying. We start telling God, hey, come get into our boat. Come get into what we want. Come, come bless us here. This is what I want. I want this job. I want this amount of income. I want my life to look this specific way. So come into my world. And he's saying, I already did that once. In fact, it ended with me on a cross so that you would come into my boat so that you would live life the way I have called you to live because it's my plan and my purposes. Your life is for my glory and you're wondering why things aren't going right. You're asking and praying for your situation to change and I am trying to tell you, child, son, that I'm not going to change your situation. What I'm gonna do is change you in your situations. But it took us denying ourselves to get to that point. We can't have our cake and eat it too. And so last week we talked about the ability. We talked about three different characteristics and three different steps to get to the surrender stage. And we had to examine our ability to be self-centered and an ability to set ourselves apart and our ability to self-surrender and our ability to be aware. And today we're not talking about abilities because I think every single person in here has the ability to live a surrendered life. I think all of you have the ability to do it. Today, we're gonna to talk about your willingness. That God says, I've given you the ability to surrender. In fact, when I knit you together and formed you in your mother's womb, I gave you that ability to surrender to me. But see, the way you've lived your life up to this point, maybe you've not been so willing. Maybe you were like my wife and I, we weren't so willing to deny ourselves. We weren't so willing to put our agenda aside and we were so fixated on how we wanted our life to look that we forgot that our life didn't belong to our own. It wasn't us who lived any longer, it was Christ who lived in us and we had forgot that. And that's what we wanna talk about today, guys, is it doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for 30 years or three months or 13 years and three days, it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus, he will always call you into new places so you can experience new graces. And so you may have to go through the explore stage six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times in your life. You may have to rediscover Jesus in those new moments and those new trials. You may have to learn completely new ways on how to rely on him, ultimately so that you can understand that surrender is not a one-time gig. It's a lifehood. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen? Babe, you had said... Uh, when we had talked uh, about this and we were kind of putting things together, I had my wife just kind of reiterate the story, talk to me again, even though sometimes it can hurt, right? You kind of have to rehash some of those things. It was like, gosh, you know, we got to talk to this because we want to be able to use this in a way that's, that's profound for people, right? And one of the things that you had said was that your life changed when you begin practicing self-denial, Talk to us about what that looked like. What was the breaking point, the turning point when you began to deny yourself, deny your pride, deny the way you thought your life should look? What did your life begin to look like after that? So after I stopped being self-centered, because that's exactly what I was doing, I was not relying on God and, you know, saw that God definitely had something different for me. And um, I began to start using what God had in front of me. Um, it took me having to rely more on God and the people around me. So, you know, communicating more with my, with my husband, um, reaching out to my family, you know, reaching out to the people around me and just letting them know what I was feeling, what I was going through. Um, and not only like reaching out to the people here at church and my family, but also reaching out to, to 
what is outside these doors. Uh, there was a great program that was an intensive program, 30-day program, that it was people who came alongside me and they literally held my hand and you know, talked with me, okay, so what kind of things do you feel you, know, you could be good at? And they helped me get in, into a CNA program I got into that program, I became a CNA, um, started working at Highland. They just stood beside me and helped me in my healing process. I had to allow myself to receive so that I could heal. I had to start reaching out instead of reaching in with my own, my own ability, with my own strength, because I saw that got me nowhere. So it, I had to start changing what I was doing and do something different. Mm -hmm. And that was to actually utilize what God put in front of me. And that was the people, my community. And that was letting go, letting go of the control that I had that over trying to take over my own circumstances. And, uh, you know, today, I, I mean, I have people around me who love me that I feel more comfortable because I'm letting go and I talk to you and my husband who can actually step into places when he sees that I'm low or I'm not, I'm being different and I'm allowing him to because I was just putting up walls. It was leading me nowhere and um, not being shameful to re to ask for help. So if it took for me going to a, a program that was not faith-based, but I knew that they could help me, help me in my healing, I was letting go of that pride to say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I want to be better. I aspire to be better for, for God's purposes. I need to completely let myself heal. So that's what I had to do. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. And it's interesting that, that what she's sharing right now is both wonderful and an area of opportunity. The wonderful thing is that she was able to go to a county-ran program and receive help and participate in a 30-day intensive that was able to turn her life from crisis to community. The opportunity is that she didn't feel like she could come to her faith community and help her go from crisis to community. And that's, the opportunity is not on you. It's on all of us in the sense that we have to recognize that God has called us to share in the suffering. And that pulls us into our next point. Is the first one Jesus said was we have to deny ourselves. The second thing he said is we have to take up our cross. And so if you look at the next point in your notes, we have to say we have to examine our willingness to take up our cross, share in the suffering. And, and when Jesus is saying this, he's telling his disciples, look, he just got done saying, I'm gonna go through some things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna have to go through some trials and tribulations. And if you truly wanna be mine, you're gonna have to go through that with me, for me, about me, because of me, not in spite of me. And what he wants to know is you have the ability to do that, but are you willing to do that? because that's what it's gonna to take to follow me. Here's what's interesting about Jesus saying, you need to take up your cross. He's saying, you gotta get rid of yourself and you gotta fill yourself with me and you gotta share with me in the instances that you're going through those trials, you gotta take that up and stand up underneath it. And here is what's amazing about that, is God himself removed himself from the throne to be man made in weakness like you and I, but was perfect without sin to take on sin for our benefit, had to bear a physical cross and on his journey needed help to pick it up. So being fully God and fully man, he chose to be weak as man and accept help from a stranger to pick up his cross so that he can ultimately die for that stranger. That is profound. That God himself, the creator of the wood that he was allowed to be hung on, chose not to pick it up, but to accept help from you. And from that moment on, he has consistently called us into the help of sharing and suffering and allowing others to see the graces and mercies of God when we begin to reach out and help one another in need. Amen. If we read Galatians, the next piece of scripture in your notes, the message version reads beautifully. Go ahead, babe, read that for us. 
Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivenly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might, need, you might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Mm. I love the way that Eugene Peterson translates this version because I can, I can remember times where I've needed help. And it's been a journey to be able to say, yeah, you know what, I need help and I'll, I'll accept it. Pride aside, I'll do it. And you know what you're doing when you, when you deny help? You're robbing the person on the other side of you their calling and their blessings and what God has asked them to do. And you're also robbing yourself of the experience of God's love. It's interesting that Paul, who's writing to this church in Galatia, he also wrote to the Romans church in chapter 12, and he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you are. Do not think of yourself so highly that you don't need to help the people around you who are in need. In that same chapter, he goes on to say, be willing to associate with people who are in lower position. And he's not talking about social economical status. He's talking about relational emotional status. There are people who just, anytime you walk in, you guys relate to this, check this out. How many, how many of you know a person that whenever you see them, you hesitate on asking them, how are you doing today? Right, Brian? Because their response, oh my God. Like, I didn't know if I was really prepared. I know I had asked that, but I wasn't really prepared for you to really tell me how you felt right now. You know? And you just kind of embrace it. Like, oh, and then you see them in the grocery store a week later and you turn the aisle real quick so you don't see them and they just... <laughs> oh my gosh. We're so fleshy. Right? In an instance, we can be here in church and talk about what it means to be here for one another and completely walk out the door forgetting all about that. But, but God is calling us to a different level of surrender. He's saying, I've given you the ability, Christina, to be there with people. I've given you the ability, Michael, but will you? Will you do this for me? I um, remember when you woke up that morning the very first words out of my wife's mouth was, I need help. I think something in her spirit died and God just resurrected that out and said, ask for help, my child. Like, allow my graces to fill you. And from there on, oh my God, I remember receiving, I just remember like, uh, yeah, we'll get help. Yeah, sure, whatever you want to get help. Yeah, whatever, you know, it's cool. And she goes, no, I don't think you get what I'm saying. I need help. I, I tried to overdose last night and thought I wasn't gonna wake up and I did. I need help. Oh my gosh, I freaked. Instantly started crying. I remember running into the living room asking my mom, what do I do, you know? And she's like, you gotta go to the hospital. Okay, we're gonna go to the hospital. You know, we go to the hospital. And I just remember almost family member after family member blaming me for her decision. How, how could you have not known that she was that depressed? How could you have not known that she was feeling that way? Like, how could you have not seen all the signs and all the, the things that she was going through? Clearly, you're not providing enough. You're not doing good enough. If you were doing a good enough job, she wouldn't feel the way she's feeling. And guys, this isn't so that you would feel bad for me. This is so that you would understand that there was a moment there where I began to agree with all of those stories. You're right, I am a bad husband. You're right, I am horrible. You're right, I'm not good enough. You're right, I have failed. You're right, this is my fault. And had I not had a mentor to call and say, I need help. Had I not had a brother to say, I need help. Had I not had family and friends in my faith community to say, I need help. I would not be here today to proclaim God's victory in this trial. And so my plea to you 
is as you share in the suffering, the persecution that you go through because of you being a child of God, that you would also allow somebody to help you pick up your cross. Makes the world of a difference. I promise you. We have this interesting opportunity to begin to change our perspective on the trials that we go through. Change the way we look at why we're going through what we're going through. And in James chapter one, verses two through four, four, James, Jesus's half-brother literally says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because it's the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its course so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You see, God doesn't allow us to go through trials and tribulations because he's punishing us. He allows us to go through those things so that we begin to look more like him as we share in the suffering. The, the, the context of testing is not like how you and I would get a piece of paper or go on our computers and take a test and hope we pass. That's not what James is saying. The context of testing in their time was they would get silver and gold and they would put it into a boiling pot and they would put that silver and gold into hot water and they would boil it and boil it and all of the impurities would float to the surface. And that blacksmith would take the, the impurities, he'd scoop it out, he'd throw it off to the side and he'd repeat the process until he had tested it so many times that no more impurities came to the top. And that's what God is telling you right now. It's that even though the enemy is against you, consider that joy because the more that you are tested, the more that you endure, the less impurities come out of you because the more maturity comes into you and you have the ability to persevere through those things. <laughs> Babe, you had told me... Um, one of the things that the enemy had put in your head was that you weren't worthy of being loved and that your family was better off without you and, and that um, you were better off just gone. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we had noticed in that, in that case was that that's all lies, right? That's 100% lies. Like just the idea of you not being here can make me cry right now. So you had to do things differently. You had to begin to tell yourself a different story. You had to replace the lies with God's truth. How did you do that? Well, um, I was, I had to literally just, it's kind of like, you know, you get everything that you're hearing that's the negative. You know, you're not worthy. You're, you're a failure. You are worthless, you know, and I had to begin to see those things and replace it with God's truth. And the way that I started to do that was I, like I told you, I had to release control and I had to allow God to come into the space that I was needing the help um, and rely on him. So, um, you know, I, I, I love the analogy that Pastor Jeff um, shared about, you know, the chair. You know, you all came in today for service. You saw a chair. You went and you sat down. None of you thought, okay, this chair's not going to hold me. I'm going to be fine. It's not going to collapse. You sat there and you trusted it. So, They're still sitting there, still Yes, trusting. no one's fallen yet. So th that's basically what I had to do. I had to say, okay, Lord, I fully trust you. You know, it doesn't make sense to me or it's not happening fast enough for me, but I got to release that control. I have to rely on you. I, I have to understand that there is limitations to what I can do, but yours are endless. And just allow him to come in front of me instead of, you know, um, him being behind me and me pulling him in whenever I needed him. So it took me changing the old ways of how I was doing things and saying, you know what, I know that doesn't work. And I know that I need God, and I know that I need to rely on him. So let me do this differently. Let me do it the way that God has asked me to do it, and that's to trust in him and let go. And let go and, and just allow him to work. 
you know, things turned out just so much more beautifully when you allow God to move when you don't see things moving. When you think he's not working, he is. And when you see the beauty that he creates, it's just, ah, I get it, Lord. I get it. You know, God just, I feel like he has a greater purpose for the things that he has in front of me. And I have to allow him to do that. I have to allow him to show me what that is. And I have to be obedient to what he's asking me to do. If he's telling me, child, I've not put that in front of you so that you can take care of it and handle it. I put it there because I'm trusting you for a moment, but then I still need to let you let me work. Let me show you what needs to be done. Let me, you know, draw you near to that and you be obedient to that. So that's what I'm doing. I'm changing my old ways and I'm creating new ways, but I'm allowing God this time to lead the way instead of me taking charge and control. Praise God. Praise God. Now, here at Yosemite Church, we're all about meeting you where you are. And you may be, you may be all over the spectrum, you, you may resonate very much so with what my wife is saying. You may be a spouse of an adulterous husband or wife. You may be the best friend of a person who's promised for the last 20 years that they're gonna stop drinking or using drugs. You, you may be at the wit's end of being able to keep your household in order. You may have a child who looked you in the face and rebuked you and told you that you're not a good parent. You may be the child who rebuked God and said that he's not a good father. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum, but what I am here to tell you is that there is a moment that you can take right now where you begin to change the way that you perceive your trials. They're not punishment, they're purposes. And our strategy here at Yosemite Church is that we would connect with God daily. If you wanna replace the lies that you're telling yourself or that the enemy's telling you, replace it with God's truth. Connect with him every day. If you want to be religious, be religious about spending time in God's word every day. And I promise you, it won't be about religion anymore. It'll be about relation. Our next piece of the strategy is to do what we're doing vertically with God and lay it on its side horizontally and be able to do that with others. We just got them saying that, to share in the suffering with not only Christ, but with other people, to grow in community with healthy participation and grow groups. We have over 700 people in this church body connected to a grow group. Why aren't you in one? You can clap for that. That's huge. It's, amazing. it's kind of a big thing here. <laughs> and the third piece of the strategy is to serve. It's to serve. We have to examine our willingness to follow Jesus, to become a disciple. Disciples serve. Disciples connect with God daily. Disciples grow with others. Disciples serve. In our John chapter 12, verse 26, says that if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I had the opportunity to work through depression and to work through anxiety issues. And I had hit a low point with my wife when this all kind of hit the fan. And one of the things that I learned in that season was that depression ultimately is a 24-7 pity party. It is every single day, every minute, thinking about me my failures, my shortcomings, the way I wish things were in my life, me, me, me. And do you know what serving does? Serving takes the focus off me and puts it back on him. And I remember coming here sometimes and, and serving here at this church and that literally being the only good thing I felt about in my life. And that's okay. If being here is the one good thing you have in your life, praise God you have this one good thing. Amen. 
Because when you come and keep coming and you connect and keep connecting and you concentrate and keep concentrating and you keep setting yourself apart for Christ, regardless of how you feel, the fact is that when you serve, their God will be also. And I'm, I'm a dreamer. I love to dream. It's gotten me in a lot of trouble dreaming because I used to be so immature that I would try to get my dreams to become reality way before it was due for its time. And I would get to dreaming with my wife and her anxiety would instantly kick up like, oh great, what is he gonna try to do now? Right? Okay, I still love you. Thank you. And there's been times, there's been times now I have to tell her, look, I'm just dreaming, I'm not deciding, right? We're just talking, don't freak out, it's okay. Just, just wow with me right now, right? I have a dream that Yosemite Church would begin to live out its mission of meeting people where they are and loving them to where Christ wants them to be and doing that in such a way that when they serve, the people you're serving can see Christ in you. Because his scripture says that if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. We live in a world that is lost. We aren't the only ones in here today thinking about how difficult it is to get through this crazy thing called life. And I just believe, did you know that Merced is like number two in the most depressing places to live in Merced County? Did you know that? Last, last message, I said that, and the guy sitting in the front, he goes, yeah, I live here. <laughs> he did. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you know why that is? It's because we have people who live in this community who need hope. We've got people who live in this community who are dying for something different. They're dying for something to change. They're just dying to live, and they don't know that Jesus died so that they could live. We don't have to get to the point of wanting to kill ourselves. Jesus did that so we wouldn't get to that point. And if we were to begin to serve him, people who need that hope would begin to see him through you being his hands and feet. I've recently had a brother who's, who's been a pleasure to be around. I get a chance to do life with this guy. I get a chance to be in a small group with this guy. He comes from a bigger community and a bigger town and and he came here and he said, you know what? There's something I just feel passionate about doing. I want to be out in the community. I want to start outreach. And it's been amazing to try to pick his brain. And one of the things he presented to me was the opportunity to adopt a block. To get, to get our body here, the people who are having the ability to go out and serve and adopt a block that is in poverty, that is in need, that has a landlord that hasn't taken care of the building or property in 10 years, but it collects rent every month. The family who doesn't know how to fix the toilet or the sink or the little kid who has a bike, but the front tire keeps going flat and they need a new inner tube. We were saying, he was saying, let's adopt a block and love on that block every month. That's meeting people where they are. That's right. It's not about your ability. It's if you're willing. Jesus tells us that because of following me in this world, you will face trials. You will face troubles. In this world, you will have troubles. Like literally promises you. <laughs> so if you're going through some things in life, welcome to the party. Welcome to the club. Welcome home. You're not alone. You're not alone. And I just, we're gonna have our, our worship team come up right now and we're gonna have them lead us in worship one last time and we're also gonna ask that our, our prayer warriors would come to the front as well. Because my wife and I, we, we, we pour our hearts out into this, not, not so that you would say, look at us, so that you would say, look at Jesus and how he's maybe working in your life that you would begin to look at your trials and what you're going through and your seasons and what's happening in your life is not punishment, but opportunity to surrender to God, to give him 
the heaviest, deepest, most broken places of your heart. You know, ours was financial difficulty and not being able to communicate our fears to each other and having too much pride. There were certain things that we had to die to so that we can live in his grace and his presence. And I just believe that there are things that some of you walked in with today that you're hoping that when you walk out, you don't have to face again. Or some of you didn't bring it with you and maybe you, you did what my wife did or, or what I have done and I've just come here and I've just gone through the motions. I've just come and I'm just coming because it's the only little relief I get and you're worried and you're fearful that when you walk out of here, you have to face those things again. Or maybe you have to face those things tomorrow when you get to work. You have a boss that's difficult to work for or you have a spouse that's across seas and you haven't seen and you hope they make it home. Maybe you have that addiction. You've been wanting to kick the habit of smoking for years and you just can't. Whatever it is, this, it's all over the scale and, and God is asking you right now on this moment, you have the ability to surrender that to me, but are you willing? Are you willing to follow me? I think right now in this space, you have the opportunity to say, yes, I'm willing. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's gonna feel like. I know according to what you just said in Mark chapter eight, that, that if I wanna save my life, I actually lose it. And if I lose my life, according for your sake and for the gospel, I'll actually save it. Because what good is it for me to gain the whole world yet forfeit my soul? And what, it, what can anyone give God in exchange for their soul? Is this, scripture goes on to say that, that if you truly want life, surrender to me. Give me your fears. Give me your worries. Yoke up with me. Your burden is heavy, but mine is light. And I'll help you carry your cross. Are you willing? My hope is that that answer is yes. And that you would come up and my wife and I are gonna be available, that you would come up to the front. The lights are gonna be dimmed. They're gonna be dark. You're gonna have music going on. People are gonna be standing and worshiping. My hope is that you wouldn't leave here today still holding on to what you walked in with, that you'd leave it here, right here at the altar, that you would take that prayer that you would surrender it so that you can begin to live the life that God has called you out to live. Not a life in chains, a life in freedom. How many of you want to experience Jesus in ways you've never experienced before? He's saying, I want you to, if you're willing. I would consider it an honor to pray with you. My wife would consider it an honor to pray with you. Brandon would, and so would Dan. If there's anything that we can pray with you for, please come up. Don't allow your flesh to keep you in that seat. Deny it right now. Start practicing right now. Let's take up that cross. We're gonna help you carry it so that you can follow Jesus.